Good morning. Welcome to the Church at the Palms. My name is Doris Nocera, and I serve as a shepherding deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. God of all glory, on this first day, you began creation, bringing light out of darkness. On this first day, you began your new creation, raising Jesus Christ out of the darkness of death. On this Lord's day, grant that we, the people you create, by water and the Spirit, may jo be joined with all your works in praising you for your great glory. Through Jesus Christ, in union with the Holy Spirit, we praise you now and forever. Amen. Now we worship together. As we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God. We read in Psalm 91, verses 14 through 16, those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. 
counting on that much love and willingness to forgive and give us our salvation of God. Let us pray our confession together. Merciful God, in baptism you promise forgiveness and new life, making us part of the body of Christ. We confess that we remain preoccupied with ourselves, separated from sisters and brothers in Christ. We cling to destructive habits, hold grudges, and show reluctance to welcome one another. We allow the past to hold us hostage. In your loving kindness, have mercy on us and free us from sin. Remind us of the promises you make in baptism so that we may rise to new life and live together in grace. In Jesus' name, amen. God has been kind to us. God loves us at all times. God has been merciful and presented us a new life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, as forgiven and beloved children of God, let us greet one another in Christ's name. Good morning. morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. We are delighted that you're with us, especially if you're a visitor with us today. We are especially glad that you're here and hope that you find this to be a place of welcome. We would love to know all of you in our fellowship pad, which we would pass along your way, and we encourage you to fill that out. Please do that. Um, Not that we're actually, you know, filling out the list for the heaven for heaven, but we're, we're <laughs> we just would love for you to be able to look at other names on that pad so that we have the chance to engage one another, uh, not just by face, but also by name. So we would love for you to do that. We always encourage you to f- wear your name tag as well. 
that is a wonderful tool for people to feel a little bit more uh, like they can uh, come up to you and talk with you because they might know your name. So we encourage you to do that as well. So we're delighted that you're with us and we hope that you will find this to be not just a time uh, once in the week to come together, but also that you may be encouraged to find other times throughout the week. Our bulletin is full of all those opportunities of ministry and of growth and education and of discipleship and of mission. Uh, this is a 24-7 church and uh, we are glad that uh, we have opportunities for you to participate with us. A couple of things we wanna call to your attention. Last week, if you were here, you knew it was our stewardship sponsorship, our student sponsorship season, a chance uh, for us to ref reflect and focus on our student ministry. We had the kids lead us in worship last Sunday and many of you took home student sponsorship sheets, uh, cards for you to be a sponsor. We would invite you to uh, make those, uh, bring those with you, not if you haven't done today, maybe next Sunday, put them in the offering plate, send them into the church office. There are some still available in your pew racks. We would love for you to take those uh, because your investment in our student ministry is so important and we look forward to uh, hearing more and more stories of how our students are being impacted by the Spirit of God. Next week, we have our annual congregational meeting, and so we invite you to uh, be thinking of that, put on that on your calendar, you nine o'clockers. That means that uh, you'll get the chance to uh, come back at 12 o'clock and um, be a part, or perhaps you might wanna shift your worship time to 11 o'clock, and then uh, you'll be available for us at our meeting. Annual reports are available in the back. If you would like to take an annual report with you to kind of do a little advanced reading, we invite you to find them. They're available there and uh, take those home with you and take a look at the good things that have happened here at Church of the Palms this past year. Two weeks from today, we will be wrapping up our Mission Expo. And uh, Mission Expo is a big deal for us here at Church of the Palms, a chance for us to really be praying for, thinking about all the mission partners that we seek to support throughout the world. Most of them will be here. And uh, it's just a great chance for you to be in touch with these people. Wednesday night, we'll have a dinner. Starts at five o'clock, goes all the way till 6.40. I think that's a different time than what you'll see in your bulletin. And then on uh, Saturday morning, we'll have a brunch, we'll have a breakfast over in the campus center from uh, nine o'clock until 12 o'clock. All of our missionaries will be there for you to meet. And then of course on Sunday, huge tent out there in the courtyard filled with all of our mission partners for you to meet in person. So it's a, gonna be a great weekend. Page 16 and 17 gives you all the details in your bulletin and we encourage you to join us for that. And then lastly, this evening, we continue with our Life's Difficult Questions uh, class. So we invite you to come and ponder with us Life's Difficult Questions. Perhaps the most difficult question for you is, should I come to the class or watch the football game this afternoon? <laughs> and uh, you better know the answer to that. <laughs> Let's continue our worship.
Let's join our hearts together in prayer this morning. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, it's good to have this time of worship to put aside the cares of living and receive uplift and encouragement from being here in your house. Help us to shut out those thoughts that tend to drown out your voice and what you want to say to us. We do want to hear from you because we need to know again and anew that you're there and that you know us and where we are in our walk with you. For some here today, this hour is filled with answered prayers, notes of joy and thanksgiving, and we thank you for the wonderful ways in which you have worked with these. For, for others today or watching our television program, the hour may be filled with disappointment, impairment or heartache, physical or relationship difficulties. There are circumstances full of sadness, confusion, wondering why these things might have come into their lives. Whatever our experience, be it joy or sorrow, we all need you. We need the comfort of being in fellowship with you and, and with each other. Help us to be sensitive to the experiences and needs of our brothers and sisters as we share together. We hear your message, Lord, that there's no dark cloud at all that can hide the light of your presence. So forgive us when we cling into the shadows and not heed your call to be active disciples. Lift our eyes toward you that we may see your face. Send us to do what you're calling us to do, whatever it might be. We pray for the leaders of our nation today and the many important and critical situations that they face. Give wisdom to our president and the cabinet members and the men and women in the newly elected Congress. We pray for our military personnel stationed around the world that they might be kept safe. We pray for the defeat of those who plot evil and wicked schemes and give our leaders unusual ability and wisdom to counter these plans. We still, however, pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we celebrate Dr. King's legacy tomorrow, we pray for those who continue to be the victims of discrimination. Help us to eliminate any scales from our eyes that prevent us from seeing the goodness and the potential in people who want nothing more than to be contributing individuals. We pray for our church and for all our leaders as the new year begins, and we need your guidance and pray for your direction. Now be present with us as Steve brings this message. Help us to be in you at all times and be open to the plan you have for our lives. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let's join together in the joyous giving of our tithes and offerings.
again pray together. Lord, for the magnificent gift you have given us in Jesus Christ, we willingly and lovingly present our gifts to you as a mark of our love and a desire to be active in your kingdom. And we thank you for the gifts of your people. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. And we're going to ask all of our children to come forward and uh, ask Carol to lead us in this special part of our service. Not of you. Good morning. How's everybody doing? I've got. Hey Ben, could you um hold these? Yeah, for me. I while I do the children's moment. How's everybody? Got some visitors. Okay. Um, you can open them, it's okay. But just don't eat any, okay? I need those for a recipe for later. <laughs> I'm, um, <coughs> I, it's okay, just hold on to them for me, buddy. How's everybody? Yeah, have, have, has anyone here ever been tempted? Yeah, I mean, like, you wanted something so bad <laughs> that you um, couldn't have it, or you wanted, yeah, or maybe you had to just wait for it for so long, or maybe, like, your mom said you couldn't have something like Oreos before dinner. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, you sneak one, no one's looking, you kind of put the cover back on, no one's going to notice, no harm done, right? Yeah, sometimes we get tempted to do some things that we know we shouldn't. Do you know what, though? Jesus was tempted. Yeah, God's son, Jesus was tempted, just like, um, he was human, just like you and me. Now, Jesus, when he um, was baptized, <laughs> when Jesus was baptized, after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, he was led into the desert. Okay, remember Jesus was, he was led by the Spirit into the desert. Now, Jesus hadn't eaten anything for 40 days. You know, that's like over a month without food. He was hungry. And the devil, the devil knew that Jesus was hungry. So the devil said to him, if you're really the Son of God, Turn these stones here into bread. Go ahead. I bet you're hungry. Do you think that Jesus could... I have a question. Do you think that Jesus could turn stones into bread? Look at AJ. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he could. He had the power. Did Jesus show he was powerful and do it? Look at... No. He didn't. Instead, Jesus answered him with scripture and said, Man does not live by bread alone. That's right. Yeah, then, then, then the devil took Jesus to the highest point of the temple, way high, and he said, If you're the son of God, then jump. Go ahead, throw yourself down. Surely your God will save you. Prove it. Do you think that God could jump, and do you think God could save Jesus if he jumped? What do you think? Yes. <laughs> Did Jesus jump and prove he was God? No, he was not tempted. Instead, he answered with scripture. I will not put God our Lord to a test. Then one more time, Satan the devil took Jesus to the highest, highest mountain. And he said to him, I will give you all the kingdom will be yours. I will give you all my power. The whole wide, wide world will be yours if you worship me. Did Jesus fix his situation and prove he was God and take all the devil's power? No, he didn't. Could he have proved it? Yes, he could have. <laughs> Do you know what Satan did? He gave up. He said, I'll come back and try another, another day. Yeah, Satan was tempted. Satan was tempted by, by um, temptation. I mean, Jesus was tempted by Satan, just like you and I are tempted sometimes. And Jesus resisted temptation just like we can. Yeah. Let's pray. Gracious God, help us to resist temptation and make good decisions in our lives like Jesus did in his Thank you for loving us, even when we make mistakes sometimes. Amen.
I'll take those. It will come as no surprise to you that our scripture this morning is about the story of Jesus being tempted by the devil. And following that, a lesson from the book of Philippians. So hear the word of God. When Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, as all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee, 
He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had, what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Our second lesson is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, the fourth chapter, beginning at the eighth verse. We'll begin at the fourth verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. For I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me but had no opportunity to show it. And not that I'm referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, O Lord, we pray that these words to come will be simply a vessel of your spirit so that we may hear in an amplified way the word of God in word and in flesh. For we ask this in his name. Amen. There is a certain genre of film and story I remember watching and reading when I was young that centers the attention of the narrative on a particular character, the protagonist of the story, whose nature it is to be a generally good and law-abiding citizen. This is a person who believes in right over wrong, justice for the little guy, good over evil. And as these stories go, the protagonist spends the first half or two-thirds of the story observing and experiencing and in turn getting angrier and angrier over the evil and injustice around him until finally this character reaches his boiling point and he decides he's going to take matters into his own hands. He's had enough. He's going to single-handedly bring about peace and justice in the world. There was the Incredible Hulk. Remember the Incredible Hulk? Mild-mannered Bill Bixby, who always seems to get into some sort of pickle with evil, and then all of a sudden muscles start popping and shirts start ripping and eyes start flashing, and boy, you better watch out. Batman, whose movies we're still watching, mild-mannered Bruce Wayne sits back and watches the Joker, the Riddler, the Catwoman, the, pe the Penguin mess around with Gotham City until he can take it no more, and it's down into the Batcave he goes, and you better watch out. Clint Eastwood. John Wayne, Bruce Willis, Mel Gibson, Sylvester Stallone. Man, you get these guys up to their boiling point and mayhem ensues. And the constant in all these stories is this character who has developed such a view of himself, such a sense of self-righteousness, perhaps such a perspective of perceived clarity that the only thing he thinks he can do is take matters into his own hands. In fact, the whole story is simply waiting for this character 
to take matters into his own hands, when the man takes over and saves the day with guns blazing and fists punching. Now, as Matthew tells us this good news of Jesus, he spends his first three chapters announcing to us the arrival of the man, the Messiah Jesus, the King of the Jews. Angels announce and stars align and King Herod panics and last week John the Baptist announces and prepares and finally Jesus arrives on the scene and there is no doubt as we read this story that he is Messiah. He submits to the baptism of John, the spirit alights upon him, the voice of the Father speaks, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus even goes further to prove his mettle, submits to the movement of the spirit, driven into the wilderness and undergoes 40 days of fasting. I mean, Matthew tells us this is the son of God. If there is anyone who has spiritual and moral authority to take matters into his own hands, Matthew tells us, oh, it is this Jesus. So when Jesus reaches the height of his spiritual and moral character, who should arrive but the devil, the tempter, the adversary. So now's the moment we've been waiting for. Now's when muscles pop and shirts tear. Now's when capes are donned and weapons are drawn. Now's the time when the boiling point's gonna blow the lid off everything, right? The great cosmic battle between good and evil. Actually, no. Now is the time for temptation. For while everyone is reading and expecting this story to go the way these stories always go, expecting for God's man to take matters into his own hands, jump into the wrestling ring, put the devil into a headlock, that's the way the story is the supposed to go. But in God's story, this turns out to be the time of temptation. This is the time when we are most vulnerable. Three times the tempter tempts Jesus to take matters into his own hands. If you are the son of God, well then command these stones to become loaves of bread. If you are the son of God, command the angels to catch you as you fall from the temple. If you are the son of God, command yourself a following. If you are the son of God, then take take control of things, take matters into your own hands. And what Jesus is here to teach us is, is that when you are thinking you've got yourself to some level of moral height, some level of unimpeachable character, that is when you're most susceptible to the tempter. That's when we are most vulnerable to get everything wrong. It's when we begin to rely upon ourselves more than God. Remember the story of Job? We all have a vague recollection of the story of Job, the man who got his fair share of pain. But rewind the tape and how does the story begin? It begins with the introduction of Job as a blameless and upright man who feared God and turned away from evil. Job's the man. He's the blameless one, he's the righteous one, and he is the one who gets tempted. Death and destruction and disease sent by the devil wipes away everything he holds dear other than his loving wife. So now's the time, right? Now's the time to take matters into your own hands, right, Job? Now's the time to go it alone. Now's the time to, his bride says, to curse God even and to die. Show him that it's not his life anymore, it's yours. Flex your muscles, do as you please. And Job says, with no muscles bulging, no capes of furling, no weapons blazing, Job asks his simple question, shall we receive good at the hand of God and not receive the bad? In other words, we are to be as God would have us be. We are to live as God would have us live. And we are to trust God for the rest. We are to be as God would have us be. We are to live as God would have us live. And we are to trust God for the rest. Leave the matter in God's hands. But it's so tempting not to, right? It's so tempting not to trust God for the rest, to take matters into our own hands, to take over for the good Lord, because, you know, he's just not, he's not showing up even after I've done the right thing. Or to assist, to insist 
that God owes us something, that we've done our part. Now God has to owe us something, more providence, more protection, more reward, more notice, more recognition. Hello, God, what about moi? Some of you have heard of J. Hudson Taylor. J. Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China during the 19th century. He founded the China Inland Mission, which became the center of Protestant missions in China. And after 45 years in China, Hudson Taylor returned home, finally, to his native country, England. And when he landed in Southampton, it turned out that he was on the same ship as Teddy Roosevelt. And when the ship docked, there was a band waiting there for Teddy Roosevelt. And they played music, and a crowd was there for Teddy Roosevelt. And there was confetti and streamers and applause for Teddy Roosevelt. They had a parade in town for Teddy Roosevelt. And when Hudson Taylor got off the boat, that church committee that was supposed to meet him there to welcome him home after 45 years of ministry in, the, in China, forgot. He waited there a half hour, an hour, two hours, finally put down his suitcase, sat there by himself. I didn't expect a band or a cheering mob, he thought, but there should have been somebody here <laughs> 45 years to welcome me home. But then Hudson Taylor writes in his diary, God spoke to me. Hudson, he said, you're not home yet. It's one of the crazy things about this life, this spiritual journey of ours, that as soon as we think we've arrived, as soon as we think that we have done what needs to be done, as soon as we have a firm grasp, we think of things, that's when the tempter comes. And the only thing we think we can throw at the temper, tempter is our brains, our moral superiority perhaps, our witness, our cunning, our resume, but those are the very things that the tempter uses against us. Now the only thing we can throw at the tempter is humility, an awareness of who we are and whose we are, a deep and abiding sense that we do not have what it takes. Only God has what it takes, and I can only do what God would have me do. And I look to the Son of God in the wilderness, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, disregarding his shame, taking his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Come down, they said to Jesus, strapped there on the cross. If you're the Son of God, come down. Take matters into your own hands. Make it about you and not about the Father. Show us a little incredible hawk. But from beginning to end, Jesus is here as son of God to teach us about being sons and daughters of God. And sons and daughters of God realize from the, the get-go that they are very susceptible, susceptible to temptation. We are at great risk to think that God somehow has got us in place of him. Sons and daughters of God, by their very nature, though, are happy to leave God in his place and trust God for God's sake. Trust God for God's sake. To live as God would have us live, to be as God would have us be, and to know our own limitations. Any pastor will tell you, any of us who stand before flocks of folks given to us some sort of authority on the word of God, any pastor will tell you how tempting it is to forget your own limitations. You remember the story of the Mississippi Riverboat captain who was approached during the Civil War by a cotton trader who asked him if he would run his cotton up the river to the north. It was illegal to trade cotton from the south to the north, so the riverboat captain refused. The cotton trader said, I'll give you $500 if you run this cotton up the river. The captain said, no, I'll give you $1,000 if you run this cotton up the river. No, I'll give you $2,000 if you run this cotton up the river. No, I'll give you $3,000. And with that, the captain reached for his gun and put it in, his, in the man's face and said, get off my boat, you're coming too near my price. We all have our price. And any of you think that you don't have your price? You are the most vulnerable. We all have our threshold that may compel us to take matters into our own hands. So can you hear the Son of God speaking to Satan? 
One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. It's not whether I have what it takes, it's whether God has what it takes. And only humility can say that. The greatest leaders of history were women and men who had a sober view of themselves and an exalted view of God. At one point during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln issued an authorization to the War Department for a certain transfer of regiments at the front. And Secretary of War Edwin Stanton refused to carry out the order from his commander-in-chief, saying that Lincoln was a fool for issuing the order. When the congressman brought back word that Stanton had called Lincoln a fool, Lincoln replied, did Stanton call me a fool? Yes, sir, the congressman replied, he called you a fool several times. Lincoln responded, well, if Stanton said I was a fool, then I must be one because he's nearly always right. Man's got to know his limitations. We don't play God. We obey God. Wasn't it all that good Baptist preaching that led Martin Luther King Jr. to employ the will and spirit of the New Testament to employ nonviolence? in his tool for change and to trust God for the rest. Nonviolence, King said, is a powerful and just weapon which cuts without wounding and ennobles the man who wields it. It is a sword that heals. We don't play God, we obey God. And maybe that's what the good apostle had in mind, the apostle Paul, sitting in his Roman prison. Some friends having let him down and others far away and the future quite up in the air. Caesar waving above his head the imperial sword. <laughs> A good place for the tempter to show up. Curse God, die, get bitter, plan an escape. Give up, take matters into your own hands. No, Paul says, I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me or as we sang in our first hymn, those great words from Martin Luther, did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dusk ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. And it is enough, isn't it? to have Christ with us, to let Christ be in us, to let Christ love through us, to obey God and not to play God.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.